Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. But you also had people that were very fine people. Very fine people on both sides. And the, and the aliens would mind meld and give them the technology. They're bad aliens. So the, uh, Are you surprised the Nazis were influenced by demons? No, if demons are real, I would definitely think they'd be on the side of the Nazis. Yeah. McDonald's is connected to the Clintons. They chop up the bodies and put them into the sausage and hamburgers. People are being cannibalized. Look it up. And I'm watching CNN talk about this as violent white nationalist protests. We have done everything in our power to keep this peaceful, you know? It's uh, Pepe's become kind of a symbol. Welcome to Yeah Na Pasaran, a show about fascism and its gravediggers. I'm Cam Smith. I'm Andy Fleming. And joining us on the line from Melbourne is Karina was going to be speaking on behalf of Roy from Paparoa. Paparoa is an uh, anti-fascist group in New Zealand who we wanted to talk to this week. However, they had some security concerns about appearing on the radio. So we have uh, emailed them some questions, received some answers, and now Karina will be speaking on behalf of Roy from Paparoa, reading out their answers. Thanks for doing this, Karina. Yeah, not a problem. All right. Shall we begin? Uh, with question number one, uh, what is Paparoa? Uh, we're a research team set up after the killings in Christchurch. So when we come across somebody on the far right that looks like a threat to public safety, we let the media and relevant authorities know. The network was originally brought together by a group of anti-racists and trade unionists in March last year and started work as a collective in April. We're an anonymous group, although that's possibly going to change soon. We work a lot with the White Rose Society in so-called Australia and several other independent activists. We're also encouraging more people to join and to help set up autonomous working groups like de-radicalisation, working with refugees, monitoring Islamophobia, all that good stuff. From there, we're looking at the idea of developing a democratic NGO. There's a lot of support in the community for the kind of work we're doing but there's a real sense that people also want to go beyond surveillance and research. So who are the main fascist groups in Aotearoa, New Zealand? How do they organise? And what relationship do they have to similar groupings in other countries? After the killings, all those guys jumped the cover. The neo-Nazi identitarians, a group called the Dominion Movement, announced they were going into hiatus. The National Front had already been on life support for years. A complaint got their website shut down, and I don't think we'll see him again. Right-wing resistance had broken up a few years earlier. There had been a lot of violence among the members. The whole thing was just so full of poison it leached into the bloodstream. People might remember a guy called Kyle Chapman. He was a common thread in lots of those far-right groups. He gave up on them and is now a born-again Christian. Let's hope he stays that way for his own sake as well as everybody else's. Then there's all the old bonehead crews that Chapman used to hang out with, Aryan Nations, Combat 18, the Hammerskins, Chaos Skins, and so on. There were dozens of them, but the members are now mostly in jail, or they've become junkies or family men trying to leave it all behind. Oh, and I should mention Wargus Christie. Oh, you'd love him. They were kind of a bodybuilding Templar monastic cult. 
the head honcho, a guy called Daniel Waring, calls himself the meat monk. They make videos in the bush flagellating him with a polythene pipe. They managed to get through No Fat November alive, but then it all came crashing down when one of them, a neo-Nazi soldier, got arrested. A few months after the Christchurch killings, the Dominion movement reappeared again under the name Action Zealandia. The neo-Nazi soldier was one of their leaders, and we can prove that, but he denies it. They're our main focus at the moment. They're slicker than the Dominion movement, but even worse on the inside. The Dominion movement used to crow about their relationship with the Nordic Resistance Movement, Identity Australia, and the Lad Society. Action Zealandia is more calculating. Their whole facade is, we're just a bunch of fellas into hiking and self-improvement. You probably know that kind of crap from Identity Australia. It's the standard identitarian con. Inside their chat groups, it's all anti-Semitism and homophobia and esoteric Hitlerism. We found a classic example of this when we monitored one of their leaders who called himself Matt on Telegram. Our Matt was communicating with or mentioning that he knew people from Atomwaffen Division, the base, Antipodean Resistance, the Lad Society, Nordic Resistance Movement and the Patriot Front. Uh, you should have seen those conversations. For those out there who have never had the pleasure of looking into the soul of a convinced fascist, just think back on the worst caricature of Nazis you've seen on TV. Then imagine a cross with the hillbillies in Deliverance. I think they try to outdo each other with grossness, but all the while they're bringing it back to, yeah, but what are you going to do in real life, you pussy? They're egging each other on to commit an atrocity. Matt was right into the idea of setting up fascist cells and buying guns on the black market. That's why we went live with the information we had on him. So... What's been the history of anti-fascist and anti-racist organising in Aotearoa, New Zealand, prior to the emergence of Paparoa, and how does Paparoa relate to that history? Uh, the most recent burst of organising began in 2004, <clears throat> when the National Front started doing street protests. They've been operating since the 60s, but in 2004, they called an anti-Asian rally in Christchurch, and later that year, there were racist attacks in Christchurch and Wellington as well as desecrations in Jewish cemeteries. In October 2004, they came to Wellington and held a rally at Parliament. Anti-racist activists had formed a coalition called Multicultural Aotearoa, MCA, which brought thousands of protesters to Wellington to oppose about 40 or 50 National Front members. There was a bit of crash and the National Front were chased out of town. For the next few years, MCA showed up wherever and whenever the Front appeared in public. That same year, a trans-Tasman group called Fight Him Back, named after a Linton Cresby Johnson song, was formed to monitor the far right in Australia and New Zealand. It was a group made up of lefty activists and was very active for about two years. On the Kiwi side of this, there was also a wonderful group called Group of Fluffy Bunny, who shared information mixed with a very healthy dose of humour. When Kyle Chapman left the National Front, the fascists gave up on public events. A few activists kept an eye on them over the next few years, but not a lot happened. Chapman ran for mayor of Christchurch a few times with no success, usually coming last or close to. Then in 2009, he formed a group called the Right Wing Resistance, RWR. They started doing racist vigilante work, which they called anti-crime patrols, and eventually this led to white pride rallies in Christchurch. Local leftists and anti-racists organised rallies to oppose them, 
and the RWR also tried to disrupt left-wing election meetings. As we said earlier, they eventually tore themselves apart with violence and infighting. Donald Trump's presidential campaign really energised the alt-right in New Zealand. A few, of pe- a few of the people involved with Fight Them Back were involved in monitoring them as well as the old National Front, which was becoming more active again. Paparoa was formed directly after the terrorist attacks, and a lot of these activists have become involved. Does uh, Mary Tikanga inform Paparoa's work? And if so, how? The name Paparoa is a Māori word referring to an area spread with cloaks to mark a special place of honour. This is our tribute to the victims from last March. This whole anti-racist struggle has always been led by Māori, whether it's from the front or in the membership. It's a bit weird because in Paparoa, we don't know who each other are. That's the way the anonymization works. So nobody's really sure where the cultural lines run. But we're working with a couple of Māori powerhouses to keep things on track culturally. It's about aroha, coming from a place of love rather than blind anger. You can feel that in the group. Sure, we help each other out with forensics and analysis, but there's a deeper feeling that's quite hard to put into words. I'd call it afina. But if your listeners don't know that word, think of it as a kind of empathetic solidarity. It's really what sustains us, and we need it, given some of the really gross material we have to wade through. Afina is certainly not a thing that's central to Anglo-European culture, or the racist side of it anyway. You can tell that by looking at the atmosphere in the far-right telegram, discord, and riot chat you monitor. As an example, when the Action Zealandia member Matt got sprung recently, people from the groups he was in almost immediately started talking about what a bloody idiot he was. The massacre revealed a truly psychopathic streak among many on the Australian far right, not just among followers of seed culture, but also within the ranks of the uh, the so-called patriot movement, uh, the people who the Australian media would describe as concerned Aussie mums and dads. Uh, two specific incidents that spring to mind uh, one was a Fraser Anning event at a pub in Sydney where supporters gave a toast to the killer. Uh, there was another case in Newcastle where a man made threats online to repeat the massacre here. Uh, the comments on his posts, people you wouldn't look at twice in the street, were universally egging him on. Uh, how do you understand the relationship between these sorts of expressions by the extreme right and those made by members of the general public? And is the same sentiment to be found among so-called patriots in Aotearoa, New Zealand? God, it's hard to comprehend, isn't it? In the months after the killings, we saw some disgusting rants and social media posts from people you'd normally just think of as suburban redneck racists. And these haven't gone away. There was a huge public backlash against racists after Christchurch, and I think that scared the pants off them. They realised the community had had enough, so they started up their perennial whinge about freedom of speech. In reality, New Zealand has the weakest laws on hate speech out of any Anglophone country. And even what there is on the statutes is never enforced. There was only ever been one charge under Section 61 of the Human Rights Act, and that was about 40 years ago. Basically, these people just huddled together for warmth while the storm raged around them. But the fact that they drawn closer led to a pretty intense case of confirmation bias. Many of them are now utterly convinced that everything they say, no matter how ill-informed and brutal it is, is self-evidently visionary brilliance. Check out Awake New Zealand with Carol Sakey on YouTube. It's incredible. 
She's just so senseless and ill-informed and spiteful, it leaves you speechless. I think that's a real problem within the far right. For people like you and I, the default pronoun is we. That's how we see the world. We include other people when we think about social issues. And if we have an opinion, we share it because it's good for people to talk and read things into the public discourse. But for the far right, it's this endless outpouring of I. What I think is what actually is. Other people's views either correspond to that in a way they like or they're written off. For whatever reason, their egos have been trained not to listen. Folks like Carol Fakey and Lee Williams and Warren Knott are putting the eye back in ignorance. The New Zealand government was quick to respond uh, with changes to gun laws. What's been the material effect of those changes? Um, you've also worked with the White Rose Society in Australia recently to reveal that members of Action Zealandia were using encrypted chats to discuss the ease with which weapons could be acquired on the black market. Are you concerned that members of the far right in New Zealand still have ready access to weapons? Mm. There's a lot of guns in New Zealand because of our hunting culture and every farmer has two or three shotties out the back. Taking certain types of semi-automatic weapons out of circulation was a step forward, of course, but we all know how easy it is to get your hands on a gun in this country. There's more than a million of them in private hands. At least they've tightened up the licensing process, though. The Christchurch killer bought his guns and ammunition online, and when he applied for his license, the two referees he gave were people he'd met in a chat room. Earlier... A man who'd met him on a shooting range went to police to warn them about this man, saying he was mentally unstable. They didn't even keep a record of that discussion, so the killer got a license for 10 years. You mentioned White Rose. Big shout out to them and to the independent researchers we work with and our new mates in Paradox. Yes, we're all concerned about weapons, especially when they're coming from the black market. There are just so many different ways of mounting a terrorist attack. Our primary goal has to be identifying the lone wolves and the psychopaths because if they can't get an assault weapon, they'll just think sideways. The Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, recently stated, a year on, I believe New Zealand and its people have fundamentally changed. I can't see how you could have an event like this and not. Do you agree with that? And how have the state and how have civil society actors responded to the threat posed by right-wing extremists since the massacre? Can you point to successful or productive responses? And what's been missing from those responses thus far? She's right. This country isn't looking the other way anymore. So many people didn't believe racism was an issue here. The mayor of Christchurch denied there had ever been a problem with right-wing gangs. Jesus, she was talking about Bonehead Central. There have just been so many murders and attacks over the years. The New Zealand police didn't track hate crimes, despite being asked by two UN agencies. And the spy agencies didn't either. After the attack, it emerged that they hadn't made one single mention of right-wing extremism in 10 years of public records. After the attack, there was an interesting lull for about a week. Then people laid complaints because the police weren't acting on cases of racist, racist abuse in public. Things started to change. Lots of extremists who made psychotic remarks online started complaining about getting visits from the police. There was a huge uptick in reports and complaints from the public. And, of course, whenever the police got their approach wrong, which they often did, the media piled in on them. There has also been a lot of talk about new hate speech laws, although the government is way behind schedule on this. But, hey, we need to be honest. The Muslim community is telling us that things have got worse, not better. 
and our research totally confirms what they're saying. There's been more abuse and more attacks. That's the index we need to be using, not some feel-good list of various steps that are being taken. You are listening to Yeah Na Passaran here on 3CR, 8.55am, 3cr.org.au and 3CR Digital on your DAB radio. We're currently speaking to Karina from 3CR, who is reading out answers to questions we asked of Paparoa, an anti-fascist organisation in New Zealand. Recent years have witnessed the emergence of a cottage industry dedicated to de-radicalisation, largely directed at at-risk Muslim youth, but increasingly targeting the extreme right. Do such programs exist in Aotearoa, New Zealand? Do you consider them useful, if so? And how does anti-fascist monitoring such as that engaged in by Paparoa fit within this paradigm? We've got no national program or de-radicalisation centre here. There might be some informal faith-based initiatives, but if there are, we've not heard of them. We really need something... We've been in touch with a couple of Australian outfits and we've done some experimental outreach ourselves, but I wouldn't pretend for a minute that we've found any silver bullets. A proper de-radicalisation program would be great. It's so overdue. It's one of the projects we will look at if we can get the public-facing NGO up and running. God, it's difficult work. I have nothing but respect for people working in this field, even though so many of them are from far-right backgrounds themselves and have done shitty things. It's about finding ways to move on for yourself and for others. Christian Picciolini in the US has said that what lures people into far-right culture is its sense of identity, community, and purpose. That's a combination that few of us could resist. I think that's our challenge in terms of de-radicalization. We need to be finding alternative ways to build identity, community, and purpose. And if we do it, it will work because it takes people beyond all that fear and anger. That's the way far-right people describe it when they find a way to move on. It's a sense of relief and liberation. Uh, just finally, despite all the madness, it's really been encouraging to see groups like Paparoa emerge to combat the threat of white supremacist terrorism. Uh, how can people support you? By joining us. Honest, above else, that's what we need. People and energy. As Bobby Seale put it, the best way to fight racism is with solidarity. We need all the public involvement we can get. And if you're a Kiwi living in Australia or an Australian who wants to support this agenda, please don't let geography get in the way. We need to work on this together and we need to share what we know. If you're interested or if you want to find out more, our website is paparoa.org and you can also reach us at support at paparoa.org. That's P-A-P-A-R-O-A dot org. Awesome. Well, thanks very much for joining us, Karina, in uh, the form of Roy from Paparoa. Thank you. It's been weird, but good. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, Andy, that was very interesting. Yes. An interesting format as well. Yeah, first time we've done that. Uh, but maybe not the last. No. You never know. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts? Well, yeah, I've got a few. Yeah. Yeah. They tend to buzz around inside my head. Um, I suppose it's uh, significant that it was only last week that a, a man was arrested in New South Wales and uh, has been charged with preparing to undertake a terrorist act and described as being someone who was on the right or the extreme right with neo-Nazi interests mm. and um, anti-Indigenous interests. Uh, I expect that we may discover that that person may be linked to others um, on 
various online networks and in which context I suppose it's worth emphasising that, um, yes, as uh, Paparoa said, there's always opportunities to contribute to that sort of uh, research and I'd encourage anyone who takes an interest because, um, you know, there's um, – I'd suggest that there are many um, Terrence out there, to be honest. Um, and sometimes it uh, it does make sense to pay more serious attention to those people who are online and making threats or utterances of one sort or another that might worry you to um, join with others in um, – establishing and contributing to the work of these networks because it does actually have uh, an impact, as we saw in the case of the young man associated with Action Zealandia. And, of course, over time, uh, these groups and individuals will develop, I, I suppose, more efficient ways of disguising their online activities. However, that's not foolproof. And I think one of the effects is to to the extent that their online productions are limited, they're reaching a smaller audience, which you would hope and you would reasonably expect would mean that they're reaching less Terence and uh, having less of an effect in that way. So I do think there's it's not entirely, well, the fact that some of these groups and individuals are forced to operate in more clandestine forms means they're more difficult to monitor, but at the same time, arguably their impact is reduced. So uh, I guess my message would be for those who want to, um, I can assure you that there's lots of um, open source intelligence work to be done. We shouldn't rely on the state or the agencies to undertake that work. It's, in my opinion, better. And I think um, we can point to examples of anti-fascists engaged in this research who've actually had a, an impact. Um, so I would encourage listeners to, um, you know, pay attention and contribute where they can and uh, when they can. Yeah. And if you're stuck inside for the next six months, you really have no excuse. <laughs> yeah. Put your uh, downtime perhaps to, to good use if you can. So just on that, uh, obviously, uh, it is an ever-changing world. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, now Passeran. La lucha continua. Yeah. We will carry on through the pandemic. We will. Until it fells us. Yes. Uh, yes, until we uh, too uh, swept away. But uh, no, we're going to continue on. And uh, also on that note, if, if listeners have um, ideas about people they'd like us to talk to or subjects we should discuss, then please feel free to let us know. Yeah. Not um, saying that after 10 episodes we've completely run out of No, ideas. we haven't. Not at all. We haven't. But, you know, it might be good to just get in now. Yeah. Yeah, uh, form an orderly queue. There's no need to rush um, or to panic uh, and, and uh, you know, to try and ensure that uh, your subject will be discussed. But, uh, you know, feel free to be in touch or to keep in touch and, and to let us know what you think and, um, you know. You can uh, message us on Facebook. We're at Yana Passaran. Or you can uh, tweet at us. Uh, you're at Slackbastard. Mm-hmm. And I'm at Sectenheimer. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you can also uh, listen to this radio show as a podcast at 3cr.org.au slash yeahnapasaran. And he's been doing a very good job so far <laughs> getting those all uploaded. Well, for many years I wasn't camp, but I decided, you know, new show, new leaf, uh, you know, I'll, I'll change my ways, and I have. Well, that's all we've got time for. Let's uh, go out with a song. This is Asian Dub Foundation, uh, New Way, New Life. Sounds right.
See you next week. Global Intifada's up next. Bye. Bye. Bye.